Welcome to 321 Go the Podcast. I'm John Pelkey. And I'm Carissa Galloway, and we're bringing you stories from start to finish to keep the everyday athlete motivated to keep moving towards the next finish. All right, folks, today we are excited, very excited to introduce you to Sophie Schunk, who was the 117th and final finisher, the 2024 Olympic Marathon Team Trials right here in Orlando. But there is so much more to her story that will inspire you and help you remember how strong you are no matter what obstacles life throws at you. That's right. Sophie is not only an extremely talented runner, but she's an engineer by day and, oh yeah, a type one diabetic. So her journey, her finish was absolutely phenomenal. When I saw her finish in Orlando, I was immediately like, when is too soon to ask her to be on the podcast? Do I let her cool down? Um, so excited that she was able to join us today in Healthier You. We're going to talk about overnight oats, and then we'll share a touching story from Rick. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Just go ahead right now, open the phone, open your friend's phone, open the person sitting next to you at Disney's phone, subscribe, rate, and you can even support the show, which we would be so grateful if you did. See the link in the show notes, and you can join amazing listeners like Don, Surf's Up Don, who supported the podcast and helped this show keep going. We're going to do a giveaway at the end of March for every one of the supporters, so stay tuned for that. Let's be friends, let's be social, and let's do this. Right, John, uh, inquiring minds want to know, how are Google Docs going for you today? Uh, they're going very, very well. I wrapped up uh, the uh, essentially all of the writing that I had to do for uh, in the Google Docs, um, which, which I wasn't familiar with. Uh, I never, I didn't delete the entire script ever again. I got through it. It seems like they like it. So uh, thanks for asking. I, I got through that moment. Uh, it, it, it was touch and go with me for, for a bit. And I, and I will tell you, uh, I, I do know that it's some, some night I'm going to have that nightmare again uh, that, that I've deleted everything. Uh, but uh, I learned a lot about Google Docs. It's, it, it's, it's pretty intuitive. And thankfully, it, it, it bailed me out uh, because I need all the help I can get with any sort of technical stuff. Well, we actually were talking about with Jay Holder as we were prepping for the trials that our, our start line script was in Google Docs. And it was actually, we were saying how helpful it is because he can make an update and he doesn't send like version 2.3, please only, right. you know, you can get those updates and you guys all know how Google Docs work. Uh, we don't need to go into that for you, but thank you, uh, John. Glad that it has worked out. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel much better about it. So, all right, Carissa, uh, as this is airing, uh, you'll be out of the country again. Another trip for Carissa out of the country. Uh, let everybody know where you're going. And I mean, uh, where you're going is plural. It is plural. So we, the point of our trip is we are going to our dear friend, Cree Kelly, who we taped an episode with him. I promise, Cree, it's coming out. It just got pushed back for trials coverage. Um, Cree Kelly is getting married to the lovely Renee. So we are going to their wedding, which is in rural Kenya. So... John, you might not know this takes a long time to get to Kenya. It's far. I, I, in fact, I did know that far away. So the rest of the wedding party is going to go on safari afterwards. But we have a little thing called the Princess Half Marathon Weekend, so we couldn't do that. So we didn't want to travel all the way to Kenya for just five nights. That seemed exhausting. So we are going to go to Kenya by uh, via Dubai, which. Uh, there's a little bit of anxiety because of everything that's going on in that area of the world right now. Uh, we hope it will be okay. We believe it will be okay. We're going to be out in a resort area. So we will take the direct Emirates flight, uh, which we will do our very best to not miss like we did in Los Angeles for <laughs> 13 hours and 50 minutes from Orlando to Dubai. And no, we're not in first class because literally they were like, upgrade for just $7,000 a person. Even if you have a lot of money, like $1,000, so it's $750 an hour. Is that logical? Yeah, but- but yeah, have you ever seen their like business class? Oh wait, no. The, I mean, it's se- like the seven thousand though wasn't afford. for that. The seven thousand was for step one. It was like twenty five thousand a person for what you're the fancy fancy one. And I don't think our airplane is the super fancy one that has the showers. But it's okay. so. Wes and I will be sitting in a coach seat for thirteen hours and fifty minutes. But we did get the extra leg row 
Like oh, smart, smart. Girl, but then I end up in the it, middle but... seat, and West thing is the aisle, and the middle seat's always smaller. So how's that fair? Well, life is unfair. I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, you so... didn't get to San Antonio, and I have to sit in the middle seat. Life is unfair. I, I don't get to go to Kenya because we have uh, you were the invited. lovely Jody and I. I, I was, but no. we have some other trips coming up, and it just didn't didn't fit into uh, our fiscal plan. Yeah. So as you guys are what? listening to this, I will probably be our last day. Uh, will be our last day in Dubai. We're staying out uh, at the resort side in the Jeremiah. It's probably not how you say it area. I don't know how much we're going to do in Dubai. I think we want to get there and kind of feel out how we feel um, safety wise, just to make mm-hmm. sure that it's because we had thought about going out to the dunes, but that's just not something that we want to do right now. It um, looks very cool. So yeah, not, we I've have, never been, but it really does look like there's a lot of cool stuff. Yes, yeah, so we will we will follow up with all that, and then I cannot wait to go to Kenya. We are staying at the home of the 2020 Olympic marathon champion uh, again, Elliot Kipchoge. You are invited to the wedding. Please come. I promise I will not be super weird. Um, but going out to rural Kenya is always like exciting. But things are so different in terms yeah. of like bathrooms, showers, electrical outlets, food, what you can eat, what you can't eat just because of the water. Um, it's it's a fine area, but it's just your our bodies are not designed to drink water in other countries. So we just have to be yep. really careful about fruits and vegetables and like literally what we're eating. So it, there's always a little bit of anxiety, but it's always it's an amazingly uh, welcoming place. We get to go back to the school that Cree's Charity sponsors. So we donated some money and they're doing projects like putting in an actual bathroom for the upper classes. They put in a kitchen. They're redoing some of the floors. We will go when we get there and we'll buy books and we'll give the books to the top performers in the school and we've got uh some clothes and stuff that we're bringing with us so really excited about all that and we will sort of break that down once we get back after princess i land the day before we start princess rehearsal so i'm sure i won't be jet lagged or like groggy or anything yeah that may be you being the kindest and friendliest person well we come back from nairobi to amsterdam and direct from amsterdam to orlando so not terrible there are hotels in the Amsterdam airport that you can rent hourly, which sounds bad, but it's in it, folks. It's not. It's not that kind of hotel. <laughs> you know, Amsterdam, pretty. I've been there. It's pretty liberal. Pretty liberal. So good. Well, good to I just know. thought it was a nice place to take a shower. And, like you rest. know, if you have if you have some extra time, I don't know how long your layover is, but the um, best restaurant I've ever eaten in is in. We've talked Amsterdam. about this. I don't think we have Long that kind Poor. of time. If you need some Indonesian food, Long Poor. I've still never been. God, is there Indonesian food in Orlando? Can we find that out and go? Can do a uh, possibly. You know what? I will do that research yeah, as you go. circumnavigate the globe over the next couple of weeks. Let's go. Okay, John. For you, you're not going to Dubai or Kenya, although you were invited. What do you do on the weekends? You mentioned the farmers market last week. What do you? Yeah. Do? Well, you know, it's funny because people ask about that, and I haven't. Do really people had... ask all the time? It's like a frequently. Frequently, asked. Uh, you, you have no idea. I mean, just knocking at the door. What do you do? On the guys, uh, it's Friday. What are you guys doing the rest of the weekend? Um, I've worked in theme parks since 1990. So 30, 34 years. I'm coming up on my 34th year. And you don't really have normal weekends. You know this and you work in the parks. You have you may have two days off if you have a five-day job. Once in that 34 years, for one year, I actually had Saturdays and Sundays off. Um, and most of the time I would, you know, during football season, I'm watching college football. Yep. Uh, but my, uh, on, on the days off that my wife and I have, I, we have a house and they're house projects, as you know, uh, I've mentioned yard work, which I'll be heading out to do when we're, uh, we're wrapping up here and, uh, yeah, we go to the farmer's market. Uh, you know, we're both big foodies, Jody and I, so trying to, trying out a new restaurant or going to one of our favorite restaurants, try to do something with our animals, uh, take an extended walk. We live here in Ocoee. There, um, there's a lot of real interesting stuff going on as far as uh, turning Ocoee into more of a destination. For town. sure, yeah, sort of really like great. Winter Garden. I used to live in Ocoee. It has really changed since I, since I yeah. shunned and moved away. So something like that, and uh, and then we try to catch up on any sort of if we're binge watching anything, if we. Uh, uh, we just wrapped up Loki, uh, the, the, the nice. second season of Loki, which was really enjoyable and uh, as confusing as always at times. So, uh, so that's kind of it. Try to try to do something out of doors if that's possible. Out of doors, my God, I sound like you know, during the Hoover administration. <laughs> you know, out of doors. Out of the doors. Well, that's good, John. Um, I, you know, that so was. We're, we, you know, and I read and just do regular all people. Kinds of stuff. A lot what of time you, with what the, did with you? What did you get at the farmers market? And this is my final question. 
What about farmers? What'd market? you get? Oh, because uh, our farmers market, the we... Winter Garden farmers market, there's a sign. It says it was voted the best in America, and I'm not. I don't ever believe those kinds of things. Like not the Airplane magazine, it would be like the top hundred doctors in the world. I'm like, are you? Did you pay yeah, for this? Yeah, uh, it, it's pretty good. It's yes. pretty good. We actually eschewed to shun, to push away, uh, purchasing any vegetables. They usually yeah. have a lot of great vegetables. But we had okay. previous, we'd been shopping earlier in the week, and we really were sort of at a place. We're, we're trying desperately, and we have for years and gotten much better at not overbuying things that can go bad. You should because, see my uh, nothing, right now. Very few things make me angrier. Um well, all the things that make me really angry have to do with food. Very few things make me angrier than uh, pulling open your vegetable drawer and everything has is now like a pile of mush and yep. all of that great zucchini that you bought is bad. So um, we did we did get some uh, some great uh, coffee, some great food to walk around. We met dozens of dogs. It was so <laughs> full of animals. And, you know, that's great for us. And then we actually had a chance to walk down uh, down the street to the bookstore as well. So Winter Garden Farmers Market, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm loath to say it because, man, it's gotten so crowded that it's difficult to park sometimes. But it is really, really great. Uh, we will be going back this week. To, there's a knife sharpener uh, to get some knives sharpened. And we're going to pick up a little seafood and the, the cheese selection guy. that the cheese folks have there is out of this it world. Is. And as people listening know, Johnny's favorite food is cheese. Yeah, no, that sounds delicious. And now I'm, I'm getting hungry. Uh, so we want to thank thank you guys for listening. We also want to thank our sponsors. We have two great sponsors, one of which I recently shouted out on social media. This is a brand that we found at the Ironman World Championships. They're used by a lot of triathletes, and we want you guys to be on the cutting edge. That's why we got them to sponsor the podcast so that you could learn all about Pillar Triple Magnesium. Pillar is a sports micronutrition company, and their products intersect between pharmaceutical intervention and sports supplements for athletes. I've been using it. Weston's been using it. John's getting some. We're going to make sure everybody is on this train. Uh, But I talk about magnesium a lot. The type of magnesium is important, and this is a high dose of magnesium glycinate, which is a powerhouse ingredient. It's used by professional athletes, Jan Ferdino, Ben Canute, Olympic gold medalist, Gwyn Jorgensen, and many more. The goal is that it helps improve your sleep. It also helps your recovery. So you're more, not only more rested, but your body is ready for your next workout. It's going to help you get to the start line in the best condition over and over again. We want to thank Pillar for their support and our U.S. listeners. You can buy it on thefeed.com. Use 321GO and you're going to get 15% off. And if you're outside of the U.S., you can find the info in our show notes. We also want to shout out to Sarah Akers with Runs on Magic. If you want to experience some extra special magic during those Run Disney weekends, or if you're just looking to get away on a cruise, Sarah Akers with Runs on Magic can help. She's going to help you plan just the right experience for you. Complimentary travel planning services, itineraries, everything from Run Disney to Universal to cruises, which mine just weeks away. So you want to use the promo code again. It's 321GO when you request your vacation quote for her. And then you'll be entered for a chance to win a $200 Disney gift card or booking credit. Find her on Instagram at runsonmagic, where she shares special offers and more. Or email her at runsonmagictravel at gmail.com. Okay, civilians, it's time for the goods. Let's get on to the interview. Very excited to introduce you to Sophie Schunk, who was the 117th and final finisher the 2024 Olympic Marathon Team Trials right here in Orlando. But there is so much more to her story that will inspire you and help you remember how strong you are no matter what obstacles life throws at you. Hello, Sophie. Welcome to 321GO, the podcast. We're so happy to have you here. We'll start this as we start all of our podcasts with our guests. How are you and where are you? I'm good. Um, like I said, I'm getting ready to go skiing a little vacation after trials for myself. And I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's actually snowing here this morning. What? Sorry. what? We don't we live in Florida. We don't understand that. That is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's a good sign for skiing, but I hope the drive's fine. <laughs> Where are you going skiing? Now we've already veered off course. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Um, Colorado, uh, Aspen, Colorado. And you can drive there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I <can. laughs> geography john I, I know i know 
Brought to you by Rand McNally. I'm so old, I know Rand McNally. Okay, no good. We got that covered. Skiing, snow is good. Uh, driving. Got all of that. So we're going to talk about your race at trials. But what I think is remarkable about your story is you just raced what is, I think, I'm pretty sure the hardest marathon in the country to get into. You did that with speed, with hard work, and you also did that with type 1 diabetes. So there's so much to talk about. And we do want to talk about your race and the marathon and how you're just Truly an inspiration to so many, I think, people, but I hope so many kids out there see what you do and believe what's what's possible. So let's kind of start with you for qualifying. What was your journey like in 2024 to get under that 237 time? I think you did that. Did you do it at CIM in December? I did. What was that journey mm-hmm. like? Yeah. So, um, great question. I, and, and, and honestly, I, until this year, didn't think I even had a chance at qualifying. So, uh, that's why I made my last I did three marathons in four months, which um, is a little bit why my body took a toll on Saturday. Um, but it was a pretty cool journey because, like I said, two, three, four years ago, I had no—I thought I had no shot at two thirty-seven. So in January, I'd gone through some like life changes and just some challenging like personal moments, and kind of decided to put all that negative energy into running and then just my career. So I really tried to start simplifying my life and just, uh, started training harder than I ever had before. I found a a new coach, which really helped. And we ran, I actually ran uh, the January Arizona rock and roll half marathon in the middle of ski season. So I really hadn't done a ton of mileage, uh, and surprised myself with a four minute PR. And it was my first time ever going under 120 and a half. And I ran a 116. And so after that, talking with my coach, she's like, I, I really think you should just go for the 237. Uh, your trajectory is kind of on the way up. And so we had looked at grandma's marathon in June. And um, I guess I got really overly excited that this was became a reality. So um, we started training hard. I did a race in San Diego. It's one of my favorite 5Ks, the Carlsbad 5000. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, so you should do that one if, if you ever want some inspiration. Um, <laughs> yeah, John. Yeah, John. Okay. It's in well, April. You know, let's Diego. pump the brakes on San John Diego. running right now. <laughs> Carlsbad 5000, San Diego. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll let me pencil that. In. I, I guarantee you, you would not be like the slowest there. There's just like a ton of oh i'll take that thing. challenge there's a challenge that I, i'll take right there oh i There's can be the, at the finish line. <laughs> it's on the coast in california um so anyways i jumped into that race and had a really good day uh but i think what happened is i probably peaked around then and so i started going into marathon training and i guess i'd really excited put on a ton of miles and started to get some like weird nerve pain and just was a little burnt out by grandma's. So we decided to not do grandma's um, and just reset and kind of look my, my blood sugars at the time had been really high and just kind of out of control. And it just didn't seem like the right fit. So we took a step back, um, like met with like my medical team and tried to have a better like diabetes management plan going into training hard throughout kind of the late summer. And the McCurdy micro marathon came up. And so that was like our goal, like our A goal option. And that was the one in New York. Uh, so that one I flew out there. I had like almost I, no training cycles. Perfect, but it, it couldn't have been more perfect on paper and, uh, felt amazing through 18 miles and then immediately got humbled by the marathon and, and what happens at mile 18 sometimes, uh, I think I took it for granted. It was my first marathon I had done since 2019 so I, I needed, I didn't have that experience in the marathon, um, for a while, like at that pace. Cause in 2019, I, I wasn't running at the pace I was now. Um, and so missed the qualifier by about six minutes. I ran it. I, I basically, uh, drugged my feet through at 243, which um, would have qualified you in 2020, but in, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, and so I, I had to be like proud of that PR and, and that like in 2019, when I had ran CAM trying to hit the 245, I ran a 249. So was really proud of the fact that I, I could almost like bonk that hard and still run a 243 under the old standard. Um, so we, we're sitting at dinner that night and and I think my, my friend who has actually been, he, he's my like friend and roommate, like has been to every race 
he like gave me this dollar bill. He's like, I think you have to do CIM. And I already made the decision in my mind. And luckily, like I had been signed up for it because all of the major marathons are already full. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already had an entry into CIM, but they weren't able to like get me into elite because it was too late. So I actually started CIM in sub elite, but he's like, I, I truly think it might be better for you to go into that race, like with the underdog mentality. And that was kind of what happened. And so we had to be pretty strategic between New York and CIM on my training, but felt great. Like was focusing on on speed and and the tempo. Um, But then right before CIM, I actually like, I got an infection from my glucose monitor. So I was on antibiotics, like the last couple of weeks, I were not the best. So like lining up, I knew I had done the training. I, I did like 20 miles at pace at McCurdy. And so I was like, you know, this is the last chance. You have to just go for it. So I just went for it. Uh, the first 10 miles, I didn't even feel that great. It was a little bit concerning. It was the complete opposite of McCurdy. Uh, but I just hung on with the pack and, and started and was taking the fluids we planned on. I had insulin in my system this time around. So I didn't have like the blood sugar spikes that I had at, at McCurdy, which kind of caused me to cramp. And, um, so just tried to stay confident in it and, and the, everyone kind of just started like cheering us on. I found like my friend, Mary, who, um, also qualified for trials with me that day. And we kind of were just talking to each other. Uh, saw a lot of people on the course that I knew, um, from when I used to live in California and, and it was just a really encouraging day and just kind of like put my head down and by like 18, I felt like everything had turned around in my legs and um, there was only a few of us left and and I truly felt like I could race. And I knew like turning the corner on the final turn when it was like still 235 high, it was like, I knew I did it and it was pretty, pretty awesome experience. That's, oh, that's just remarkable. I mean, God, the journey that it takes it's just mm-hmm. it's just incredible. So so let's jump forward to Orlando. We're going to get back because we want to talk about how you manage your type one diabetes and 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 uh, dealt with that uh, from the time that you were diagnosed. But let's talk about uh, our our hometown here, Orlando. Um, race day in Orlando. What? Uh, how are you feeling? What What were your expectations that morning prior to the start? Yeah. So this is something I didn't open up about a ton before that race. I. I had a hard, I had a great few weeks right after CAM training. And then I think uh, doing three marathon cycles back to back started to catch up with me. So I had to work with my trainers and my coach about, okay, we're, we're really pushing that line of overtraining and how to not overtrain, even though it was like the biggest stage that I was truly hoping to compete on and, and move up my seed. And we believed I could do it on a good day. I started to develop shin splints, which reminded me of high school track way long ago. <laughs> I, why? Yes, uh, of course. Like, I was like, of all things, shin splints yeah. are what are coming up now. Um, so I started to develop shin splints. I don't know if it was a lot of the treadmill running for like training in a heat chamber or what, but they just kind of came on suddenly and, and a few other things uh, were going on and and it was more, we had to reevaluate the goals of the day. We're just to enjoy it that I got there, celebrate the experience. And in really the week before I just had, I still had that pain in my legs and we could not get rid of it. So I had to really like kind of swallow my pride and go into it with, all right, who are you going to inspire today? And, and let's make the most of the day, enjoy it, try to smile, hopefully can run the whole thing, even though I hadn't been able to do kind of all the runs I was hoping to do between CIM and, and trials. Uh, so we really did have to kind of reset expectations and went into it like, Hey, your purpose today is not necessarily to race. Um, for place. It's just to get out there and know what you can do and just enjoy it. Well, that's what I want to ask before we dive through your race. I want to ask, did you enjoy the trials experience? Like, did you stay in the hotel? Did you get to hang out with the other athletes? Like, did you roommate with, did you room with your friend, Mary? Like, how did all that work out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The, the experience was incredible. Um, I'm pretty, I, I don't know who like plans it all, but I know it's like the USATF committee, the Olympic committee, like, you all like the Orlando like 
LOC, I think that's like the you LOC, know, yes. yeah, the, <laughs> the, the acronym. Crew. Yeah, Love you. yeah. It like it was really like people said it's an it's an awesome experience, and it truly, I it like blew away my expectations. Like, I mean, they put us in a hotel, all the food, the meals, and just like getting like sitting down with the other athletes and meeting people that you've like seen on Instagram or on TV, and you're like, wow, I'm here and I'm doing this, and you're just kind of like like everyone's just a kind of a regular person with their own cool story and learning and just walking around and hearing like the hype and the buzz of it all. Everyone was almost willing to help if you needed something. Um, so like the volunteers were great. They were always smiling. Um, I didn't room with Mary. Uh, I, I just ended up getting a room. So like my um, diabetes sports project, the nonprofit that I, I work with, willing to help like sponsor my own room. And then, um, my friend and roommate stayed with me. Nice. But did yeah, was your but I got room... to see Mary and everyone? <laughs> I, I think it's all fascinating. So I stayed at you guys hotel the last night and I oh, was on did. the highway side and it was really loud. Was oh. your room loud or did you sleep well? <laughs> Cause no, I was worried for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Luckily we didn't have a highway side, but that yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Cause um... there was one point where like, it was like, is that a helicopter? I like to it. Cause my husband stayed with me and I'm just worried for you guys. Like, I don't care if I'm exhausted. I don't have to really do anything, no. but um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how they did it, but like, oh, I think a lot of the athletes rooms were on the inside. That's smart. Yeah, yeah, I went down that st- – uh, I left my room that morning to go down to the start, and I got in the elevator, and there were probably like three athletes, and then Joan Benoit was in the elevator. And I was like, if I am an mm-hmm. athlete and I am in this elevator with Joan, like my nerves just – do you know what I mean? Like I was like, this is mm-hmm. makes it feel real, real for you guys. But it is nice that you got that sort of camaraderie at the hotel mm-hmm. and got mm-hmm. to experience more than just lighting up for a race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it yeah, leads actually I, to a, a quick follow-up I, I want to ask, and I'm sorry to cut you off about that, but uh, uh, and this is in, in in our list of questions, but did you find yourself fangirling at all at any point? Was there a moment when you're just like, oh, my God, I'm here with... Uh. Oh, for sure. Uh, so actually, I was just going to say, uh, that morning, I was walking out of my room, and it turns out Emily Sisson was on my floor. <laughs> and she's walking out, like, right in front of me, to the I thought, to the stairs. So those other things, the elevators took forever. <laughs> and we were on the sixth floor so I was taking the stairs so much (laughs) um but she she was walking out I'm like is she really gonna take the stairs right now no no stairs for Emily Um, no but she like walked into a room and and I think it was like media but I was walking down the hallway with her and, and like I pointed her out to my friend I was like I and I like looked at him. I was like, she should make the team. <laughs> it was she, pretty cool. And, she and then the night, be- like two nights before, we ate dinner actually next to like Kira Diamato's parents, uh, which was really cool to see. They had just like driven down from Virginia and were just the most like down to earth people. And we're talking to the waitress about my daughter's seated Aww. number two. And and again, I looked at my friend and, and he, he's like, who's number two? And I was like, I think that's Kira. Yeah. <laughs> and so we started chatting with them and they were like excited to hear my story. And they're like, hey, that was Kira like eight years ago. You have t- t- eight years left. Like, you're oh, that's so really cool. cool. <laughs> Definitely fangirling. Yeah, we all were. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your race. You went into it, not, you know, obviously feeling a hundred percent. And as, as we know, you were our final finisher that we got to celebrate. So obviously the race for you got hard. What kept you going out there? What were some of your, your why? Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone knows me, if I'm going to start something, I'm probably going to finish it unless someone takes me off the course or my legs are completely broken. Um, that's just who I am. Um, I, I knew this was a different stage and that was going to be tough knowing I would be the last place finisher if it were to come to that. Um, and so I did think about it a couple of times during the course and my feet started cramping because I was having to like, I was running not my normal stride, like on the outside of my feet, trying to avoid like the shin pain and stuff. So then the outside of my feet started hurting. So stuff like that. Um, that's when it got hard and it was on the back side where there's a little bit less of the fans, but it was on that side that um, I had no idea at the time, but there was a type one girl out there with her mom. There's actually a couple of them that had like found me or like saw my story, I think in runner's world and, and were out there cheering and like wrote a sign for me, like about di- like I have diabetes too, like you can do it. And that was, I, I was like, I, ha- I have to finish with these girls. Like, even though, I'm hurting it. 
it was something and and a lot of them had reached out to me saying like they were still afraid to run or put their kids in sports with diabetes because doctors just don't like, especially as a young kid, you don't consciously know what's happening to your body until it might be too late. And it's scary for parents to be able to trust to put their kids in sports or um, for them to take it on themselves. Like if your blood sugar starts going low, which this it might actually did in um, the race, normally I'll be like riding an adrenaline high of blood sugars, but I actually, this time, since I was out there for longer and, and had a little less of that adrenaline rush towards the end, I was experiencing some low blood sugars. And so that's where it gets a little scarier. Like you have to make sure you're eating, um, enough carbs for what you're burning and just like learning that and, and wanting to show that you can kind of make a hard day easier and still get through it because, I mean, type ones are always having to think about their bodies every single day and, and it's, you can't quit. So kind of having that no quit mentality, I think got me through. That's amazing. And I, I'm a dietitian. Um, I don't know if you know that, but I always yeah. tell people like, I saw that on your profile. Yeah, I'm going like, to ask you. <laughs> like diabetes is a job, like, and you never get to take a day off. It's really, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot to manage. Exactly. So it's great that for, for that little girl out there, um, you were showing her, you know, what that can be like. Uh, you mm. said in your Instagram post, you talked about the cyclist who was with you. And I think his name was, <laughs> I, I texted, I went to find out who it was. I think his Did name you? was That's awesome. David. Was it a guy? <laughs> yeah, there were, so there were two of them. The, the first one, he got pulled off at some point. He was also really cool. Um, but they both were... That's probably not their exact words I put on my Instagram, but it was close. <laughs> yeah, no, I just want his name was David. And I think it was really cool what you said, because you do, I mean, I'm sure in that moment, maybe I'm putting, did you feel like self-conscious a little bit? Like, oh God, oh, I you did. know, 100%. but you did, obviously you shouldn't. And you, you know that also in the back of your head, John I and I were talking the other day about how our brain knows we're supposed to be thinking one thing, but we're thinking another. Um, and I just think it's cool that they, they supported you and, and we all were cheering for you. We were excited for you to be out there, to be showing an example of that. Marathoning sucks. It's really hard. (laughs) And you you finish. Yeah. 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 You forget when people are running five minute miles at the 24 mile mark for people like me, you forget. Oh, well, wait a second. But this is really, really hard what these folks are doing. All right. Let's uh, let's jump back. We, we, we talked about it. Uh, your type one diabetes diagnosis came in high school, I believe. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, this didn't stop you from uh, from pursuing uh, a, a love of sports. Um, can you take us through that being diagnosed and how that affected your mindset and how you came to terms with Okay, as Carissa said, I now have this full-time job that I'm doing in the midst of these other things that that I'm trying to do. Yeah, um so I I when I was diagnosed, I was running track, playing soccer. I I basically, I mean, I was a type A personality back then and and like a I guess I don't even know if it was 40s in high school, but 40s student and I I was getting frustrated with sports because I was like not performing. I'd gone from someone who like was a high performer to just like falling asleep at night without doing my homework, which was like very uncharacteristic of me. Uh, And so I was getting frustrated and I was like, mom, like something's wrong. And they took me to the doctor and they're like, oh, she's just growing. She's fine, but we'll get blood work anyways. And so they got blood work. They ended up losing my labs. And a week later, they like called my mom and, and they're like, you need to go pick her up from school right now. Um, she could be in like DKA. And so my mom picks me For up. For a and week. Yeah, that's like, great. We're going to... <laughs> For like however and long so, you were. Wow. So she picks me up from school and she's like, we're going to the hospital. I was like, why? And she's like, they think you have type 1 diabetes. And I was like, what? So she had like printed out articles. Here, we start reading these. So I'm like reading like about type one and I got really excited, which is weird, but I, I'm like, Oh, I know what's wrong with me. This is everything. <laughs> um, and we like, there's no diabetes in my family. So that we hadn't picked up on a lot of the signs and symptoms. Um, I had been eating a lot more and like losing weight. So, I mean, I think I would go through a jar of peanut butter, like in two days and was losing weight every day. And we just hadn't picked up on it, but I get there and, and they're like, Oh, they looked at my mom and they're like, which one of you has type one or the blood sugar of 680. And, um, so yeah, so I was like, Oh, it's me, I guess. And they were surprised I hadn't like passed out. I hadn't like done any of the, like, like had scary episodes, mm-hmm. uh, and so after that diagnosis, um, it, 
they actually didn't even have beds in, in New Mexico. Um, our hospital system sometimes is overloaded. So they sent me home with like a vial of insulin. They're like, all right, every time you have carbs, this is the ratio, take a shot of insulin. So I got home and I was starving. I hadn't eaten like all day. I, and I have a pear um, and my blood sugar goes immediately up to 400. And I just started like crying. <laughs> and so like realizing that I would have to take insulin with every like ounce of carbs I eat and like pears are, while they're fruit, they're very high glycemic, as you know. So like fruits, I actually crazy don't eat a ton of fruits, um, the higher glycemic ones, because they are very um, quick sugar. Um, so just learning that the first like month or two was really difficult, but I took it, I documented everything. And as a high school female, and I, I think this isn't talked about enough mentally, it was really hard because like you go from underweight when you're diagnosed, cause you haven't been absorbing anything to gaining it all back and then some. So I, I actually, like I, I was always on the thinner side, but I, I gained like 30 pounds after my diagnosis just by taking insulin. And it was really hard on me um, as a high school female. And so um, I got even, I was already shy and I, then I wanted to hide my disease. So I became more shy. <laughs> and so it was a tough like couple of years in high school, but I still like stuck with soccer. I stuck with track because I, I loved being an athlete. I ended up um, not having the best end to track season. I couldn't figure out how to run with diabetes, but I, um, switched to soccer. I was a goalkeeper and ended up playing soccer in college. And I went to Marquette university and played as a goalkeeper. And it was actually at Marquette where I started to like, just completely branch out of my shell. Uh, went from like being a total introvert to more of an extrovert, like started getting motivated to talk about my disease, met other people with type one that were doing high level activity activities and athletics and started to learn like better management and that I could actually use like my type one for motivating others and, and learning and teaching and educating and have like an insight into like my own body of like what my feeling needs were. Uh, I, I just want to uh, mention that uh, all other soccer players will tell you that goalkeepers are crazy, uh, <laughs> nutty, type oh, A, yeah. out there oh, personalities. Yeah. I remember Shep Messing, <laughs> the great goalie, keeping stuffed animals in the in in the uh, in the net with him to shake them at players when they made a bad play or something. So nutty, nutty people, but but, but we love them. All right, <laughs> I want to stay on this for a bit because there are a lot of people listening uh, who don't know a lot about type one. Diabetes. First of all, can I, I just this. say shame on the hospital for just sending you home with no nutrition <laughs> education and no dietitian? And honestly, I know that it's not necessarily better now anyway, even when I worked in the hospital. But anyway, shame on them. If you're a medical provider and you have someone diagnosed with diabetes, please get them the time and the education they need. Okay, John, go on. Oh, let's, my. Yeah, let's, yep, I'm with you. Oh, <laughs> I want to prove. We can talk about that later, but I'm I'm looking at getting my CBE license because my CBE made like a huge difference in my life. Um, I went into biomedical engineering and I still am in engineering, but I, I want to try to get my license. No, because, because people don't understand <laughs> so. what a carb is. And, and you're saying pear and pears have a lot of fiber, but like yeah. how it impacts it. And yes, you can still yeah. eat carbs, but you have to pair them with the protein. And it's, it is, it's a lot of it. It's basically like a degree you need to manage your own body. And for them to just send you home with some insulin as a teenager <laughs> too. Gosh, flabbergasted. Yeah. John, please move on, but we're going to yeah. stay in the same vein because we're we, going to try to help people who are listening or may know someone who right. has And we could spend hours talking about uh, Shaming the little holes system. in our healthcare system. <laughs> so let's just move on from that and talk about the uh, about the actual things that you have to deal with with diabetes because I read that at some point uh, earlier in your career when you were younger, you had to stop at a gas station to, uh, to, to fuel up a little bit. Um, so it, discuss the valuable lessons that you've learned through all of that. And, and uh, I guess if you can put it into words, the, the management of nutrition and hydration and that, that you deal with, which are so much more acute than other athletes. Yeah. Um, so the gas station story is a great example of when I got into distance running and had no clue that every run is going to be different with diabetes. Um, especially when it's a new sport. So part of my studies in college actually were like looking at anaerobic versus aerobic exercise for diabetes management and also 
um, trained versus untrained athletes. So when you're untrained, um, or John it's a Pelkey. sport that, what's that? <laughs> I think untrained is the John Pelkey of the world. Well, I love you. It's not so, but even like, I, I equate it to like, so if I were to go, cause I, so if I get injured or like in cross training or taking time off running, I'll go swim or bike. And usually like the first swim, my blood sugar just tanks because I'm just not used to it. So your body's in that like fight or flight and then it's going to burn more glucose because that's just like your first, um, like quickest form of energy. And so when your body is like, I need energy now, it'll go straight to glucose. Um, so it changes, right? So like learning that, documenting it, um, my first run over 10 miles, I, I like had been, kind of practicing but didn't realize after that like hour mark you're gonna go into like a very aerobic burn state and so of course you're burning glucose and and I uh, had a low and I was in downtown Milwaukee and I had to stop at a gas station and ask for a Gatorade and and then go back and pay for it later because that's not when you had Apple Pay or anything but um so lesson learned and always carry stuff on you and that's like a big thing that that I have to do. And and sometimes I deal with highs. Like this last year, I've been dealing with more high blood sugars and having to kind of really focus in on that mix, like fat and protein with my carbs so that I'm more sustained. <laughs> so the roller coaster is like the thing you have to avoid. If you're going to go up high, you're probably going to go down low. And that's just like how the body is. Like you want to try to master that like homeostasis, even though you know you're not producing your own insulin. So you're going to have to like add in insulin as you're um, uh, fueling and also like burning uh, glucose. So um, in, in terms of the management side of things, I've learned that different types of exercise affect me differently. So track workouts, anything high stress, like races, um, I'm dealing with high blood sugars or most likely a higher blood sugar but you know, you still need your carbs for exercise. So the the balance and the timing of carbs and insulin becomes really key. And so like the timing of when I take my breakfast, like I'd rather have like a, a breakfast, a higher breakfast two to three hours before with insulin so that I still have a little bit in my system. So that's your short acting insulin uh, or I'll increase my long acting insulin like that whole week. So that's what I usually do the week of race day. And, and then you have that baseline to try to avoid those higher blood sugars. Uh, the danger comes in why a lot of like kids and, and parents are afraid to put their kids with diabetes into sports is the low blood sugars, especially if you're already an active kid, like your metabolism is high. And so you're constantly burning glucose. You're constantly having to take snacks to um, basically have enough carbs to, up to what you're burning. And, and that's a really hard calculation and it changes. Like the first couple of years of diagnosis, you're still in that like honeymoon phase. You're producing some of your own insulin. And um, then the years down the, the road, it, it can taper off. And as you're an adult and you have a higher stress job, a higher stress career, maybe you're sitting more, that's all stuff to factor into diabetes management. So when you were racing, you I think you mentioned earlier at this marathon, you did have an insulin pump on like, and that was giving you insulin during your race or that was just, if you needed it. I actually still only use my insulin pen. Um, but I'm able to take that like pretty easily, um, while I'm running some, some people with diabetes, like how, and I'm like, well, it's a pen that it's, it's right here. Actually. It's a pen that I just put in my sports bra and, and I don't mind taking injections. So and so fun. did you have to do, did you do that in Orlando? Right yeah. So I took it like right before the start. Um, I didn't have to take it during because my blood sugars were actually on, on the lower end for this one. Um, or I just, I was fueling as like, I know kind of when I, I hit those glucose burning patterns. And so every two to three miles I take, um, less carbs than probably most would, but more often. So that's when I do like, I mix in like you can, which is more a longer acting mm -hmm. source with gummy bears, which have some protein in it to like, so you don't get that immediate spike. And then, um, with the gummy bears, you can only, you could take like a few at a time versus like a lot at a time. Um, and so in, in CIM, I actually had to take more insulin cause I had that huge adrenaline spike. Uh, but yeah, I'm able to carry it with me and, and I have my CGM. What about, there's for still you? a lot of in. Oh, go ahead. Just electrolytes. So how are you balancing your electrolytes uh, while Great you're question. out there too? Yeah. So, um, and, and John, I realized you asked me about electrolytes and I didn't, or hydration, I didn't answer, but 
for anyone with diabetes, hydration is key. And um, not just water, it's electrolytes because like you already have some imbalances. So uh, if you're dehydrated, your blood sugar is going to go up and um, or it's going to be a little bit higher that concentration is. And um, that's something you don't want to deal with while you're also dealing with adrenaline. Okay. So uh, making sure that and, and the other thing about hydration is not doing it all at once. It's got to still be like frequently, right? So um, I'll be sipping on, and I am not the worst, or I'm not the best with drinking water. I, I quite frankly, like hate the taste of water. I always have like some form it's of boring. electrolytes in there, <laughs> like BCAAs or electrolytes. I have to mix it in. Uh, but I'm just trying to like carry around a bottle with me everywhere I go and, and drinking every so often. And then during the race, I um, am very sensitive to carbs in drinks. So I learned this at New York. I put uh, you can, even though it's it's a super starch and slower absorbing in my bottles, but I was spiking from taking that concentrated sugar in a drink. Uh, so I had been mixing or alternating water and you can, but every time I was taking that you can drink, I was spiking. So that was a learning lesson I took into CIM. In CIM, I ended up just taking water. I took water at almost every station that I could. And I knew I needed electrolytes, but unfortunately, CIM only had the noon that has carbs in it. I learned that four years ago, actually, that I didn't even know there was a noon that had carbs. Uh, I just assumed it was the one that was carb-free. But uh, that those carbs spiked me four years ago at CIM. So I learned that lesson. And I knew I needed some form of electrolyte during CIM. So I was taking um, electrolyte uh, tabs. Uh, like the salt stick tabs every time I was drinking water. And that seemed to work really well. Uh, for Orlando, the bottle, the personal hydration stations were amazing. And then there was a ton of water out there. So my personal bottles had uh, BCAAs and electrolytes in them. And it was the carb-free electrolytes. It's, I, I just, again, boggles the imagination, the number of things you have to balance. And with, <laughs> and with all yeah. the things medical too, I mean, we learn things consistently and and things change so i'm I'm curious have you ever uh are, have, are you in some sort of connection or have had connections with other world-class athletes that are type one diabetic and, and can you also talk about maybe the mutual support you get within that community because my goodness this is just so much for one person to to just balance you want to introduce me to all the type one pros that'd be awesome robin or song um, I, I do i i know no. Robin's been on the Father-in-Law's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a friend who played college football at the University of North Carolina in the 80s, and, and he was type 1 diabetic. And uh, I know for him managing that, but you can imagine 40 years ago now what 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 that's like as far as how far we've come sure. in, in dealing with it. And and I'll, I'll piggyback on top of that, and I'm going to steal your question, Carissa, on top of it, is uh, how can other runners help support folks with diabetes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of pro figures out there now, uh, especially in the NFL, like Noah Gray, um, Jordan Morris is a soccer player for, I think he's still with the, the Sounders, the Seattle Sounders. So there's quite a few uh, runners. The list goes down quickly, especially distance runners. So I am the third type one to qualify for trials. There were two other ones and, and both of them have reached out to me, which has been really cool. Um, Missy boy she was 1999 I think and then Nicole McMurray Houston was 2016 in LA and both were type one um so they've they even said though like the next level of like a time drop is is a huge change as well for management but they've helped uh, mentor me a bit it was in at Marquette, actually, I met uh, a type one cross country runner who really started to kind of like pick my brain of what I was doing and what I could maybe do differently. Uh, but you really you have to find the network almost yourself. So we do have a nonprofit diabetes sports project that I kind of helped start. And uh, there's about eight of us and they're, they're all kind of there's no one specific runners, although uh, we're starting to find more. I coach two girls with type one now that are are trying to get their half marathon times down and run marathons. There's quite a few triathletes and Ironman athletes out there that have dealt with type one. So just finding that network and bouncing ideas off of each other. And that's kind of what the, the mission of Diabetes Sports Project is. 
that being said, I mean, Chris, you probably realize this. There's to find a CDE who knows that level of athletics is very hard to do. Mine as a kid was was great. She was a runner herself, uh, but she didn't live with type one. Um, but she was able to at least like know I was thinking very differently than a lot of the other type ones out there. And we had to be very anticipatory with my blood sugars early and uh, all of the other blood work, like so getting your labs done every two to three months, because anything like that's off balance elsewhere could also throw off your diabetes. Well, I, um, I just going to put that out there in the world that I think I know you have your job. You are an amazing digital <laughs> engineer, but I think that you could as a CD, you know, when the time is right for you, really change the face of endurance sports with your mm. firsthand knowledge that other people just simply don't have because you have really tried and tested and worked out so many things and so many facets of this. So I think that I'll just going to put that out there uh, in the universe for you, but you are very goal oriented. You're very type A as a lot of runners are. You're also very, very intelligent too. Um, So what is your next big goal? I know you're, a lot of people are taking vacations. You are too right now. What's, what's next? Yeah. So I got to get healthy first. And uh, unfortunately the other side of diabetes is slow healing. Um, even as someone who has very strong diabetes management and, and again, type A, really trying to focus on my A1C, the truth is you heal slower as a type 1. And, and that's something else that I think people need to be aware of as they're getting into athletics with diabetes. And and so I think uh, get get healthy, focus more on strength training, um, have some fun. So I'm going to go skiing and do other forms of cardio and, and activities for a bit. But Talking to my coach, like I'm not done yet. I really want to try to compete against the girls out there. And, and it wasn't my time to compete on Saturday. It was my time to, I think, to really like humble myself and inspire others along the way that you can finish on a hard day. But I would like to compete and I don't know what that looks like. Maybe 20K championships in the fall. I was hoping to do Carlsbad 5000 in April. We'll see how I'm healing. But uh, definitely well, looking forward to more competition and uh, we'll see. And and I think um, if I, depending on where I am in my life, I would love to look at 2028 and hopefully qualify a year or two in advance. So I'm not crunching in a bunch of marathons at the same time, but yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you've been inspirational up to this point, and I'm sure that will continue. And we're so happy to have you here. We're going to wrap this up with the questions that we ask everybody, because a lot of our listeners are uh, amateur athletes uh, or people like myself. John, just I think, I think even... 99% of our listeners are amateur athletes. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I was going to say, I don't even to... use athlete. I just, just an amateur. An amateur human. Uh, so, Fantastic. Uh, hey, amateurs are where it's at. <laughs> but hey, fast growing participatory sport in the country is distance running. So absolutely, it is where it's at. So the beautiful thing about now with social media is that we can get in contact with people and you actually have had people reach out to you, you know, after the race type ones. Do you want to talk about them? Yeah. So I, I'm not going to name them all, but there's been so many and and I really want to give them all shout outs and, and I think time will tell, but uh, I think the biggest one was Isla Gray, who was out there on the course, and her mom, Nicole, reached out to me. And then there was uh, Addie Green and her daughter, who is nine and, and has been afraid to run, but uh, saw, I think, Saturday. And I can't wait to see what she does next. And then there was another one, uh, Molly Wellman and her daughter, too. And and so they've all reached out to me about different things and uh, in the running community one way or another. but their daughters are kind of learning the ropes on how to run and, and what's next. And so being a mentor for the, for people like that is going to be huge going forward. Oh my gosh, you are a huge light in this community Maybe. and keep doing what you're doing. It just gives me goosebumps to think about the impact that you're having and you're, you're mm-hmm. also running really well. So you're changing the world and you're a badass <laughs> runner. So keep doing that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and it brings up a good point. You've talked about this a little bit that you are hyper competitive and uh, that really gets you through to the end of, of a race when you're not feeling great. But uh, when you get to a hard place, um, let our listeners know, what do you do to work through that, to motivate yourself to get over that hump at the 10 mile mark where you're like, I'm not feeling great right now. Yeah. What, what do you use? You know, I think really, truly ask yourself, like, what's the worst that could happen and not be afraid of 
it not going well or, or failing. Um, and I don't even like the failure word, but I think just not being afraid of something not going your way uh, and making the most out of the day. And, and heck, like in CIM, I thought I was having a bad day. And at mile 10, I just kind of like looked up and looked at the surroundings. And I was like, it's a beautiful day out here. I'm with some amazing female athletes and, and the men that had kind of dropped back from the top pack were supporting us and just the camaraderie. And I'm like, you have to just enjoy it. And I always write a mantra for the day on my wrist. And um, lately it's been a lot of around like my sister and, and her husband, they're going through some hard times right now. And so just remembering like my whys and and for the type one community and, and just my family and, and yeah, just heck, if like I'm, if I'm sitting here tomorrow, I don't want any regrets and and I want to know I tried and put it all out there. Yeah. I, I, I resonate with that. I feel like it's that kind of that concept of like, we didn't come this far to only come this far, right? Like I'm in mile mm-hmm. 10. Let's get to it. Let's just keep going. And and you have done that. And yeah. because you ch- made that choice there, you were able to make it to the trials to inspire those little girls running there on the course. And it mm-hmm. is that sort of butterfly effect. Um, the last big question, yeah. you got two more questions. One's easy. I don't know if this one is hard. Um, you, <laughs> your finish was probably for a lot of people, one of the most inspiring moments they saw at the race. Uh, but for you, is there an inspiring moment at a race or at a distance event that resonates with you that inspired you? I, I think realizing there's so many people out there pushing through hard times and you don't really know till you have a conversation with them and everyone has a story and there's a lot of invisible diseases out there. And and someone said this to me at a talk I gave recently for a type one summit is diabetes is often invisible. And, um, especially when you're a kid and, and going through it, you don't just walk up to someone and say, Hey, I have type one diabetes. And then they don't, and even if you do say that, they're like, okay, cool. And they don't know like that's day in day out. Right. And there's so many other diseases out there or like mental health or um, other conditions that people are pushing through. And, and I think a lot of them have found running to have an outlet and to show that they can do something really special with their bodies and just recognizing that on the course. And, and then there's amputees. One of my really good friends is an amputee. And, and so they push through that and, and seeing people do that, I think is truly inspiring. And for me, like personally on, on Saturday, seeing other type ones out there, like holding signs for me, I, I'm not a super emotional person, but that I, it, it like put me in tears and just knowing that the, type one community is like get ready to go. And like that girl could be next and giving them the hope like, Hey, and when you're in your twenties, you could be lining up for an Olympic trials marathon and not, not being afraid to do it. And my family, my family was there on Saturday. So just seeing them and they know they've seen like the lows and the highs of diabetes, like for years. And so just seeing their faces and and they knew like you, they knew I was going to finish if, whatever it was they knew I was going to finish. It was pretty cool. You know, well, you've kind of hit the nail on the head of why we started this podcast is because we hear these stories, these inspirational stories Mm -hmm. to people, you know, I'm going to run today. I'm going to get radiation this afternoon. I'm going to come back tomorrow, (laughs) Ron. I'm going to get ready. Honestly, and it it is incredibly inspiring. And you, of course, have inspired a lot of people and you've certainly educated us. Mm -hmm. Uh, If people want to follow you uh, to find out more about your career and maybe some of the things you can share for uh, for young athletes or anyone really dealing with, with with things like that you're dealing with, where can they find you? Instagram, I've I've gotten better at. I I'm trying to just get better at social media and responding because I I think it is a good platform to reach broadly. But um, sending me a text or my email, I don't know if you all want that and and want to include it. I don't mind at all because I I yeah, would love if you to respond let if I can. Know, like your email and if they're type one and their parents and they want to reach out to you and you're okay with that, go ahead and let, let them know. I, yeah, for sure. So it's Sof, S-O-F, Shunk, my last name, S-C-H-U-N-K at gmail.com. Yeah. And I will respond as I can. And then also Instagram or Facebook works too. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. Honestly, it was a pleasure to have you on. I really think that this is going to impact a lot of people, especially in our Run Disney community, mm-hmm. who maybe are just like, I don't think I can do this. And you're showing them the way. And I know you're going to continue thank to you. do that. So thank you. Enjoy skiing. Get those shins better. And we look forward to seeing you real soon. Thanks, thank Sophie. You. Y'all are awesome. Best finish line ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, athletes. Here's the drip. Time to shape up your diet. Carissa, give them the goods. All right, Johnny, what's your hot take on oatmeal? Does Johnny like oatmeal? 
Johnny loves oatmeal. Irish cut, uh, steel cut Irish oatmeal is is one of the staples of my breakfast. The along lucky with charms of, of oatmeal, the old Irish oatmeal. Yep, that, that's that's that that's that's my favorite. I I actually had a personal trainer once who recommended a, a brand, and I really do like it. So, well, it's good. Love for me you. some oatmeal. We you know we call apples the the toothbrush for your intestines. We can call yes, we oatmeal the cozy hug for your body. It really hugs your body. It wants you to be healthy. It's a heart health hero. Oatmeal is. They've got the soluble fiber, which helps to lower bad cholesterol. It's an energy booster because it's got that slow release energy. What Sophie talked a little bit about that you want. We don't want to be on those blood sugar roller coasters. And it's good for your gut as well. It's gentle on digestion and can help promote good gut bacteria. So I wrote this because this morning I got back on the overnight oats train. Have you been on that train? Uh, my wife, the lovely and talented Jody, who's mentioned here frequently, every day. Uh, the lovely and more talented you have to say than Jody, me, Jody, Michael Gabriel, DW sociopath, every five episodes, or we get canceled. <laughs> That's right. We have we have recurring characters for the podcast, <laughs> and they and they're part they're a part of that. But uh, actually, do you know the first place I was introduced to o- overnight uh, oats was um, the television show Shrinking. Oh. Um, which is a great, great uh, streaming series. Harrison Ford uh, is in it, and uh, it's it's starring uh, Jason Segel. It's really, really funny. I highly recommend it. But uh, Jason Segel's daughter in the show mentions Overnight Oats several times in multiple episodes, and I had no idea what it was. And now I've been introduced to it. And it is a great thing to have waiting for you if you need something quick in the morning. Because oatmeal takes a while to cook. Sometimes it yep. bubbles. I think I've mentioned this before. The Galloways make oatmeal every morning and it bubbles over and it sits and sticks in my microwave. Um. <laughs> oh, we're working out some family business now. All right. Uh, they're going to be here next week while I'm gone. So I can't wait to see the status of my <laughs> microwave when I go Wow. Uh, but the overnight oats are a great solution for that. Um, I'm sure you all of you have made them. If you haven't, you take the, the rolled oats and the milk. You can use Greek yogurt. I don't, I'm not a fan of the Greek yogurt, so I don't use that, but that'll make it a little bit thicker. I add in chia seeds because that also absorbs some of the liquid. It makes it thicker. A pinch of salt. Don't forget that. Then I'll use a little real maple syrup. This morning, I put in both peanut butter and the tiniest bit of Nutella. It was quite delightful. So you put it overnight comes home there you go you can i like it do you like it heated or cold uh either way i, I like usually eat heat. it cold yeah. it's usually a grab because i'm on the run sort of oh. thing that's when we keep you don't you don't de- you don't deal with cold and i like greek yogurt too so i'll throw that well, out our oatmeals are very different one day we should show our our different oatmeal strategies to folks but we would love to know your overnight oats recipe send it to us maybe we'll share it and if you want more recipes or you want more of these sort of quick tips not about microwave cleaning but about <laughs> good digestion and good nutrition um check out healthier you so this is a 12 week course the goal is nutrition education but a lot of people find that it helps their whole family's nutrition it can help with weight loss with energy with naturally lowering cholesterol go to gallowaycourse.com you can always sign up and sign up happens year round our group chats happen monthly our next one is going to be the monday after princess but go to gallowaycourse.com and use the code podcast to save $150. Athletes, listen up. It's mail call time. Announcer free, present. All right. Thank you, Sarge. This email comes from listener Rick. And Rick uh, parenthetically says, sorry, John Pelkey, this one's for Carissa. So I guess I'll read it so I have some part in all of this. Thanks, John. Uh, Love seeing you and hearing your voice at Disneyland. You're unbelievably kind and generous. Clearly, Ran into you after you'd had coffee. Uh, thanks for the quick handshakes at the end of the 10K and the half. I'm amazed that I even, uh, I'm even i even known to you, and you often give me a, a shout-out gesture of recognition. That gives me great joy. I'm sad to say that that half marathon may have been my last. I'm suffering from an indiv- uh, invisible but painful disability that's prevented me from running at all for the last eight months. I've injured the tendons in my lower left leg, ankle, and foot. I can most often walk pain-free, but too much walking brings on the pain, and every step of three Disneyland races was painful, in spite of that. I was number one in the men's 75 to 79 division. Okay, I'm clapping for that. Uh, uh, There were two of us in the division, and that's... That's I'm still I'm 75 or 79 out there doing it, Rick. I'm, I take my hat off to you. Uh, 
I don't generally wear one, though, because my hair is fabulous. Uh, back to Carissa. I love your book, Run, Walk, Eat. As soon as I can get it back from my wife, I intend to read it through a second time. Thank you for being you. I often tell people that you are the kindest person I know. Rick, thank you for the email, and you should travel in wider circles. <laughs> um, thank you for saying that, Rick. Rick is someone that I have seen for years, always friendly. I always forget his wife's name, so we're not perfect. Um, but I'm sorry, Rick, that, that that you're going through that. And just as we talked about in this podcast with Sophie, like invisible disabilities are hard because you see someone and you don't know what they're going through. And I certainly had no idea when I saw Rick three times in Disneyland with his smile and his happy wave um, that this was going to be your last times. But I'm sure that you will be able to find a way to come out and cheer and celebrate, Rick. You have been a member of the Run Disney family for so many years. Um, thank you for the kind letter and um, keep doing everything that you can and celebrate that 75 to 79 division win. Whew, wow, John, what a great, a great episode today. Wow, it really was. It, it, it just, again, um, and, and we talked about it. It's funny, uh, with Rick's uh, uh, email to you about the invisible things that are going on physically with him and uh, Sophie talking about that. And my bringing up the fact that that's kind of why we do this podcast is because we've heard all those stories for years at the start line. We'd ask about people's costumes and is it your and first we race? We still do a little bit of costuming, but we it, do it, we do we that as well. Deeper, but we yeah, and we have to give credit to our good friend Riley Claremont as much as that pains me. Uh, and he was the one who wanted to dig deeper into people's stories, and that I think has been a a positive for everyone involved and i do think i will i'll say this right now chris i think some of those stories at the at the start line help get other people in corrals to the finish line it's like oh gosh you know i'm dealing with the fact that i'm tired yeah or my feet hurt yeah uh or i have shin splints uh these other people are dealing with a lot more so let's just keep going for sure and you guys if you have stories as us in the words of riley claire about if they're harrowing if they're happy email them send them to us on instagram we will read them and hopefully you will continue to inspire other people it's 321 go podcast at gmail.com or we're on instagram at 321 go podcast weston used to have control of the instagram i now have it so i will actually see your messages <laughs> i'm just gonna throw the whole galloway family under the bus today john Woo! Thanks for taking care of all family business right here <laughs> thanks for listening guys uh we'll see you real soon bye bye